It is faithful. Uh, that means he is going to do what's right every time. And when you pray and you ask God for help and for direction, uh, he will be there. I have the young people, they, uh, junior church, they can go to junior church now at this time. And uh, with the Scarabellos, take your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. You know, a lot of people st uh, stray away from uh, the word of, or the book of Revelation. They want to stay away from it because it's so difficult to ha and hard to understand. But may I share with you that as you study the word of God, the only way you're going to get a handle on it is to be able to study it. If you kind of break it down, you understand a little bit about, more about what's going on in the book of Revelation. If you understand, Revelation chapters 1 through 3 deal with uh, seven churches that the Lord is trying to help correct in some areas and get them on right track. Verse, uh, chapters 4 and 5, uh, the church is raptured out and they're in heaven. Hey, that's going to be wonderful. The Lord's going to call us home. And uh, this is not our home. See, Pastor, I'm digging in for the, I'm digging in for the long haul. I, you know what? I'm going to hold this world lightly and loosely um, because I'm going home. I've had some people say, well, you know, Pastor, don't you understand? We're going to go through the tribulation period, and he that endures to the end shall be saved. I'm talking about good Baptist people. i to tell you something. We're not going through the tribulation period. God's talk, he said that he has not appointed us under wrath but into salvation. And uh, the Bible talks about in First uh, Thessalonians chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 13 through 18, talks about the rapture of the church. And then after that, it's going to be the day of the Lord. That's when God's judgment comes. And uh, we're, all you've got to do is just read the Bible. You'll understand that we're going to be raptured out, and then all of that stuff is going to happen on this earth. And we're going to be in heaven with our Savior and our, our God. Praise God for that. That's something to look forward to. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing there. And then you come in chapter 6. Through chapter 19, uh, actually you have that time period of the tribulation period. Jesus Christ uh, comes back in, in chapter 19, and we come to rule and reign with him. And there's going to be a battle called the Battle of Armageddon. It's going to be there in that area of Israel, in that area right over there in uh, the Valley of Jezreel. And they're going to be brought down to that place. And it's going to be a great battle. We're going to be on the winning side. Amen. <laughs> I don't know about you. I like being on the winning side. And uh, we're going to be on the winning side. Then Revelation chapter 20 talks about the fact that uh, Satan is going to be bound for a thousand years. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign for a thousand years on the earth. And then Satan must be released for a short season. And those people that are going to, that are going to follow uh, Satan are going to, be, uh, they're going to raise, raise up against Jesus, who's going to be ruling in, in Jerusalem. I can't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. They know that he's there. They know he's been reigning for a thousand years with power and a rod of iron. It's been his way, and it's going to continue to be his way. But they're going to come and think that they're going to, they can overthrow him. And one last battle there, and then they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. There's going to be the, the great white throne judgment in chapter 21 for all the lost, those that do not know Jesus as their Savior. And then chapter 21 and 22 is talks about eternity future. Eternity future. What do we know about the future? Well, we're going to start reading, so hold on. We're going to read through this portion, beginning with chapter 21, verse number 1. And I saw a new heaven, a new earth, for, uh, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a, a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he, will, 
and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, and the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, and the whoremongers, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, come, uh, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was, uh, was uh, like unto the stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a, a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names uh, written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. One, uh, on the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth foursquare, and the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city round, uh, uh, with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, a hundred and, uh, 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of, the, uh, of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, chrysophorus, uh, and the eleventh jacinth, and twelfth an emesis. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, every Several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it was transparent glass. And I saw it no temple there, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Then the gates of it shall uh, not be shut at all by day, uh, for there is uh, neither there is no night there, and they shall uh, bring the glory and the honor and uh, uh, of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, 
And on either side of the river was there a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded uh, her fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and the servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they, sh- uh, and, they will, uh, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Praise God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the precious promises that you've given to us. And Lord, we thank you for the wonderful things that you have in store for those who are your children. God, I thank you today for your word that you've given to us that we can see it in such clarity, in such distinction. Father, I pray that you would help us to rejoice today in the wonderful things that you have in store for us. And it's all been because of Jesus Christ, our wonderful Savior. And Lord, we hold him up today. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to look upon him and to admire him. And Lord, to love him with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. I pray today, Father, you give me your power as I preach. Lord, I know that your power comes by your spirit. And Lord, I just want to humble myself right now before you and and acknowledge once again how I need you to speak. Lord, if there's one without Jesus, I pray that your, your word would reach their heart and the gospel would save their soul. Father, we thank you and we praise you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. A Barna poll revealed that 76% of Americans believe in heaven. And 71% believe in hell. But an interesting thing about that that, uh, poll that was done, of those who said they believe in heaven, 50% believe that you can get there without accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know, people have all sorts of thoughts about heaven and how to get there. A Sunday school teacher was teaching her fifth grade class, and, and she once asked her students, if I sold my house and my car and had a big garage sale and gave all the money to the church, would I get to heaven? And the children said, no! Praise God, the right answer. She said, well, if I cleaned the church every day, and mowed the lawn, and, and, kept, uh, and kept everything neat and tidy. Would I get to heaven? And the children said, no. She says, well then, if, if I was kind to animals and gave candy to all the children and loved my wife, would I get to heaven? And the children said, no. The teacher finally asked, well, how do I get to heaven? One of her fifth grade or fifth five-year-old boys, you know those little kids will tell you what comes to their mind. They're going to shoot straight with you. The little boy, a five-year-old boy said this. Well, you got to be dead. That's how you get to heaven. Gotta, yeah, I don't think he quite had that answer down right. You know, it's interesting to note that, the, that John the Apostle stated in John chapter 1, verse 11, Talking about Jesus, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. He's talking about the Jews. But to as many as received him, to as many as received Jesus, 
To them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Jesus declared in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Peter said in Acts chapter 4, verses 10 and 12, when he was standing before the Sanhedrin, and they were talking and they, were, they wanted to know by what power you were doing these miracles of, of raising this man back to life. He says, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone. Jesus Christ is the stone. Uh, which was set it not of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You're not saved by any other name apart from Jesus Christ. Paul, in speaking to the Ephesian believers concerning their lost condition as Gentiles, said this, but at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Those who were without Jesus as their Savior are without hope and without God. If you're here today in this, in this auditorium or you're listening by the live stream. Folks, if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're without hope and you are without God today. It is only through Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for our sins that we can have a relationship with God the Father. It matters not what we think or what we feel. The Bible declares that only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can we go to heaven. For the one who has put their trust in Jesus as their Savior, they have some wonderful things awaiting. Last week we began a series, The Best is Yet to Come. We saw that one day we'll see our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, that's going to be awesome. Well, you, you know, we don't even think about that. Well, yeah, I'm a Christian, I, folks. I don't know about you, but Jesus is all the world to me. I haven't seen him yet. How can that be? I don't know, but I know one thing. That when he came to live inside my heart, I want to see his face. Amen. And God says one day we'll see him. We'll see him face to face. We saw last week one of the best things that's yet to come is, is that uh, we're going to receive a new glorified body incorruptible, it's going to be uh, of purity, not liable to decay, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. All of that's gone. Some of you have gone through some great sorrow and some great pain. In fact, you're in pain every day. And you're going through those difficult times. Can I tell you something? The best is yet to come. Amen. You're not going to have that one day. It's going to be gone. Not only, as we saw last week, not only is our new body going to be incorruptible, it's going to be glorious. That means there's going to be splendor, excellence, majesty. So, well, pastors, I look at this body. Not, I mean, it's falling apart. It doesn't look too pretty. It doesn't, 
Well, I'm telling you, it's going to be glorious. As one person put it, all that rendered that was rendered vile and cumbersome. Hey, can I tell you something? This is cumbersome. These things right here. They're cumbersome. You know, I've got to wash them and, and, and make sure they're clean. If I get scratches on them, uh, pretty soon, you know, you start seeing splits, you know, in people. Uh, you, you see all sorts of things. These are cumbersome things. You've got, you know, hearing aids. You can misplace your One of these days, that's all gone. Because all that stuff is going to be taken, taken care of. No more medicines. No more medicines. One of the folk in our church that had been in, in uh, Vietnam, and he was, he was sharing some of the things that, that he was, uh, had gone through, and uh, he was blown out of, he was one of these uh, minesweepers that would go before the vehicles. He and another guy, as they would go traveling down, they would they'd go back and forth and, and use the minesweepers before the vehicle would go, and one day, they had gone down a whole long section. They got back and climbed back into the vehicle, went down a little ways. And all of a sudden, he says, the next thing I remembered, I was blown out of that vehicle. And I was standing with my gun in my hand. And he said, I didn't know where I was. And one of the, one of the uh, mili other military came up and said, are you okay? They'd missed one of the mines. All the people that were in, the, in his vehicle were all killed but him. And... Uh, you know, he said, why, why did God spare me? I said, let me share with you. God spared you because he has a plan for you. Amen. And his, in his mercy, he spared you so that you could be able to reach others for Jesus Christ. You understand what that's all about. I know that that's difficult. But you know what? God has all of our time in his hand. He knows all of those things. And he was sharing with, this gentleman was sharing with me, he says, Pastor, I take 25 different prescriptions. He says, I take this pill to take care of this problem. But then I have to take this pill to take care of that, the side effects of that pill. And then I have to take another pill to take care of the side effects of this pill. And then I have to take another side effect. I have to take another pill. One day, folks, all those pills are gone. No more having to wear hearing aids. No more prosthesis. Don't have to worry about that. Our new body is a body that's raised in power. You have, you're, it now have weakness, we have, uh, we're, we have disease, and we have infirmities and weakness, but one day our new body is not going to have any of that. It's going to have power. It's going to be a spiritual body, and as we shared, one the theologian put it this way, it's a body exercising powers without waste, weariness, decay, or the necessity of having its powers recruited by food and sleep. You're not going to have to sleep anymore. You say, Pastor, I wish I just had uh, 25 hours in a day. Then we'll have no night. We'll have no day. We won't have to worry about time. Time will be no more. What an awesome thing. Today we're going to continue on this theme of the best is yet to come. We're going to focus on the fact that one day we are going to be in our home in heaven, which God has awaiting us. Folks, we've got a home in heaven. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have much down here. I just got a little apartment. There's not much in it. Or I live in a tent. I've got, I, live, you know, I live in a house. Can I tell you, one day you're going to have a mansion, a dwelling place in heaven. God says he's promised it. God who cannot lie has promised. And today we're going to look at one of the great things that he has yet to come. We might ask ourselves the question, is heaven real? And where is heaven? Uh, what will heaven be like? We're going to be looking at this idea uh, in, the, in the morning and in the evening. It's going to be a two-parter today. And so uh, you won't want to miss that. Uh, will our loved ones know us when we get to heaven? 
Or are you going to all be strangers and have to learn everybody? You know, it's one of the, one of the things when we, uh, we have a problem. Uh, remember people's names now? You won't have that problem when you get to heaven, we'll say. And who's going to heaven? Well, pastor, you know what? Everybody's going to heaven. That's what, that's what I believe. Well, then you better look at what the Bible says. Because the Bible has a little different idea about that. So today we want to consider that we have a home in heaven awaiting us. First of all, is heaven a real place? Some say, you know what? Heaven and hell are here on earth. Heaven and hell are here on earth. It's what you make it. Uh, someone has said this about the lost. This is the best heaven that they will ever know. Because what awaits them is a place called hell, a place of sorrow and suffering like they've never known before. Others believe that Heaven is not, is not real, it's only a state of mind. Can we be confident that there's a real place called heaven? And the answer is yes. We can be confident there's a place called heaven. Why? First of all, the Bible declares that there is heaven. Um, John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy word, thy word is truth. This book is the truth. This is the truth. We sought, we were looking in Sunday school that God's word has been forever settled in heaven. It has been settled forever in heaven. God is not going to change his word. When he makes a promise, he sticks to his word. Some people make promises and they break the promises. We talk about, uh, we hear about ceasefire and truce and all, and people, they, they'll say it and then they do something totally different. God is not like that. When God promises you something, God is going to keep his promise. So the Bible declares that there is a heaven. How do you know? Look with me, if you would, to Psalm chapter 11 and verse number 4. Psalm chapter 11 and verse number 4. Middle of your Bible is the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 11 and verse number 4. Psalm chapter number 11 and verse number 4. It says here, David is speaking, it says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in where? Heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. God's throne is in heaven. How do you know that? Because the Bible tells me so. We need to establish and understand that. Look at Psalm 14, verse number 1. Psalm 14. It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You know, if you, if you say, oh, I don't believe in God. Hey, the atheist, the evolutionist that says there is no God, you, you want to know what God thinks about that? You're a fool today. Well, but science bears it out. No, it doesn't. I was listening the other day on, on the, the radio, and they were talking about down in Utah, how that they were all upset because a backhoe had gone and crushed one of the, uh, the dinosaur of fossils that was so great millions and millions of years ago when this dinosaur was on the earth. Oh, well, can I tell you something? They weren't here millions and millions of years ago. That's what man, who is trying to deny that there is a God, has come up with to try to say, you know what, this all happened by, by chance and not by divine creation. All you have to do is stop and look at how your hand flexes and all the, the muscles and all the things that are there, and even throwing a ball. How complex. Oh, it's, you know, that took a long time for all those muscles to just decide this is how it's going to happen. Folks, we had a designer, his, and he was God, the God of the Bible, that designed all of this. Amen. 
And one day we're going to be with him. And these people who say, there is no God. God says, well, I just want you to know you're a fool. Can I tell you this? You look at that portion of Scripture too. It says, the fool has said in his heart. Notice the word there is. That's in italics. That means in the original language of the Hebrew, that, those words are not there. But what it's saying, they put, that, they put that in there to kind of help make the flow go a little better. But notice what it says. The fool has said in his heart, no God. The fool has said not only that there is no God, but the fool is the person who's told God no. When God tells you to do something and you don't do it, can I tell you what God says about you? You're a fool. You say, well, pastor, I'm going to rear my children according to Dr. Spock because Dr. Spock knows a lot. Can I tell you something? The God who created all things knows far more than Dr. Spock ever thought of. We have an infinite God, and we have a finite brain. But I'm here today to tell you that our God says, when you say no to me, and when you tell me no, then you are a foolish person. You're a fool. Pastor, I don't discipline my children because I don't want to hurt their psyche. Can I tell you? God says we're to discipline our children. In fact, the person who doesn't, doesn't love their children. Two total polar opposites. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. God's word is true. But notice what he goes on to say. Those people who say no to God, they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. Remember, we read there just a moment ago, there's coming a time when those who are, who are unbelievers and, and, and do not believe in God and they, don't, they do abominable things, hey, they're going to be cast in the lake of fire. How do you know it? Because God tells us, he says, those who have done abominable works, there is none that doeth good, the Lord looketh down, notice, from where? Heaven. Upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand. Understand him. And seek God. Given our own nature, the, our, our, the nature of man, sinful nature of man, do, does anybody search after God? God says, they're all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. No matter who we are. Man and left in his sinful state, because we're all sinners, we don't look to God. We're not looking to God. We're looking to ourselves or some other God. You say, Pastor, how can all these people have all these different gods? Look at all the isms, spisms, and spasms that are around the world. Man, they've got their own religion, trying to, trying to reach God by, by doing this or that. Well, it doesn't matter what you call God. You, know, you can call him Allah or, or, or a, a God or, or a Beelzebub. You can call him all. No, no, no. There is only one God, folks. It's the God of the Bible. God says there's none. There's none that does good. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of the sin of us all. The Lord looketh down from heaven. The Bible declares that there is a heaven. Notice something else. How can we, how can we be so sure that there's a heaven? Well, Jesus, the one who came from heaven and returned to heaven, spoke of the reality of heaven. Turn with me to John chapter 3. New Testament, John chapter 3 and verse number 13. John chapter 3 and verse 13. John chapter 3 and verse 13. Here, Jesus is speaking, and he says, And no man 
hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Jesus Christ descended from heaven, and he ascended back up to heaven, and he says, you know what? He says, I'm just telling you, there is a heaven. There is a heaven. John chapter 3, verse 31, look what it says. John the, John the, uh, uh, John the Baptist said, He that cometh down from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly. Remember, the people that thought John the Baptist was the Christ, the Messiah, God in the flesh. And he said, no, 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 it's not me. It's not me. He says, he that cometh from above is above all, and he that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from, a, from heaven is above all. Jesus, when he came down, when he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He's the one that was from heaven. He's the one you're supposed to be looking to. He came from heaven. He came from heaven. Look at John chapter 6 and verse 38. John chapter 6 and verse 38. Jesus is speaking here. He says, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of my Father. He came from where? He came from heaven. He came from heaven. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 47. Paul speaking about this idea. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 47. Talking about Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47. He says here, The first man is of the earth, earthy. That was Adam. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Jesus Christ was the Lord from heaven. As is the earth, such as they that are also that are earthy. And uh, as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And, and as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Heavenly. One day, we're going to have that heavenly body. It's the one that God's designed from heaven. We're going to enjoy that heavenly body that we, we talked about. Jesus spoke about mansions in his Father's house that are in heaven. John chapter 14. Go back there. John chapter 14. John 14, verse number 1. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Now some people will say, well, pastor, in the original Greek, this idea of many dwelling places. Well, that's true. There are many dwelling places. You say, well, mansions sounds a little bit bigger, doesn't it? Than a, than a dwelling place. I don't know. I've seen some pretty big dwelling places. And uh, these dwelling places down here, people say, oh. Man, I wish I had that. You know what I look at are those places like that that are the 30,000 square feet? I just say, man, look at all the work they got to do to keep up that place. You know, somebody's going to have to come and clean it. Yeah, but if I had the money to have that place, then I'd, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. Because those things will not produce happiness. In fact, you're going to be worrying about losing money and losing the money on the stock market, so you're going to lose that thing. I, I don't need to worry about that stuff. I'm going to leave that with the Lord. Because I've got a mansion. I've got a dwelling place in heaven. Notice, it goes on to say, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I am just amazed at the thought of that little statement that Jesus just got done making. It took six days for, for the, uh, the Lord to, the, to create all that we see. And all the beauty of this, Jesus has been in heaven preparing the place for us for 2,000 years. Man, can you imagine? That's why when Paul said, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I, I, his jaw must have dropped down when the Lord gave him a little bit of a vision of that. Amazing how wonderful heaven is. So, well, Pastor, this is wonderful down here. Oh, but this can't compare to what the Lord has for you. And Jesus said he's, he's fixing and preparing it up for us. I, I said before about uh, Ruby Rancier, one of the dear ladies in our church, and she was, when I was there with her until uh, the time when she passed, and she said, Pastor, I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of frustrated. I said, well, what? what's the problem, Ruby? She says, I just want to go home. She wanted to go to heaven. She'd been hearing about it, been talking about it. I want to go home. I said, Ruby, the Lord is preparing that place for you. Maybe he's planting some more flowers. I don't know. Because she loved flowers. I mean, she'd send a card, she'd put a flower or something in it. I said, I don't know, but he's preparing it. And when it's all done and it's all ready for you, then he'll come and take you home. That's what God promises. We think about God in his word declaring that there's a heaven. Jesus declared that there's a heaven. God had John, thirdly, God had John, the apostle, to write down specifics about the city of God called the New Jerusalem in heaven. See, well, it wasn't just a state of mind. Well, I just, I feel, I just feel calm and peace, and so that's heaven for me. No, no, that's not what God did. God gave you specifics. When you start looking at at uh, different things, you start looking for specifics. How do I, you know, I, I saw a car, one of those fancy cars, I don't know what it was, yesterday, it was a, I couldn't almost, I hardly could see it out of my back, um, rear view, uh, my rear view mirror. This car was, it looked like a, a sports car of some sort, and it had fins off the back, and it probably looked like it cost you more than $100,000. And there's two guys in it, and, but you know, you can't drive it beyond the speed limit anyway, if you're gonna be legal. And so, but I mean, it looked pretty nice. And you could start saying, well, the color was a kind of a gray. And it was, and, and, and you know, like I said, it had the thins and it, it had those, those wide wheels that can go fast and grip the road. And, and you know, I could tell you all the things you say, well, Pastor, that's all in the state of your mind. No, it was very real. I just got done seeing it. When God took John the Apostle to heaven to see these things and to declare what he saw, he did it for our benefit so that we would understand that the best is yet to come. Go back with me to Revelation for just a second. You say, I wonder what this place, this, this wonderful place that awaits me. My, your loved ones are enjoying this place today if they've, they've died and gone to heaven. Revelation chapter 21 and drop down the uh, to uh, chapter 21, verse number 12. You say, well, we're talking about this city called New Jerusalem. It comes down from heaven. 
In verse number 12, it talks about this city has a great uh, and high wall. In verse 12, look what it says. And had a wall great and high, and, and it also had, here it says it has 12 gates. At the gates were 12 angels, and, and the names were written thereon, and, the, and they are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. As we read through this portion of Scripture, we've got 12 gates. We've got three on the, on the north side, and three on the south side, and three on the on the east side and, and three on the west side. And they got the names of the, the tribes of the children of Israel are written on those, those gates. And the gates are made out of pearl. One pearl. Can you imagine the oyster that had to have that one? Boy, that must have been a big... No, I think the Lord just kind of... This is going to be pearl. The Bible tells us that the city lies four square. Look at 21, verse 16. And the city lieth four square. The length is as large as the breadth. And the measure of the city with the reed is 12,000 furlongs. You say, well, how far is, a, how, how far is that? About 1,500 miles. It's 1,500 miles long and wide and high. 1,500 miles. Uh, somebody said it's like from going from California to the Mississippi River. That's a big city. This city called New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles long and wide and high. Pretty awesome. Notice in verse 18, it says that, this, that it's a pure gold. Look what it says. And the building of the wall of it was jasper, and the city was pure gold. You ever seen gold? Those little flecks of gold? You know, some people in this area, we... People love to go gold, gold panning. They're going to get lots of money. This city that we're going to is going to be pure gold. Pure gold. The city was pure gold like, the gla like glass. Um, the, street of the, the street of the gold, or the street is made of pure gold. 21 verse 21, look what it says. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold as it were, transparent glass. It's going to be beautiful. You know, I drive down these roads here with the asphalt and stuff, and goodness sakes, my, you know, it just kind of jars your teeth. Going over to, toward Brother Scott's house when I go to pick up the kids on, on Wednesday nights, man, I feel like I'm, I'm going to, you know, everything's going to fall out. You know, my, you know, my glasses kind of pop off and, and all that. I mean, they've got some good ruts over there, brother. Um, hey, Heaven, we're not going to have to worry about that anymore. Beautiful city. Street of pure gold. Hey, there's no temple there. Look at verse 22. And I saw no temple there. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. There's no temple there. There's no place to worship. Why? Because the Lord is the place to worship. You worship the Lord. There's no sun. There's no moon. Because the glory of the Lord is the light. Look at verse 23. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Can you imagine how bright it is to be with the Lord? You know, on a, on a sunny day, sometimes you have to wear sunglasses to shield you from the sun. Can you imagine? We're not even up close to the sun, long distance away. This city, called New Jerusalem, is not going to have to worry about lights. 
hey, they're not going to have to worry about PG&E, SDG&E, Northwestern Energy, all that. The Lord is the light. That's pretty bright. Jesus is the, he's the light. There's no, they're not going to have uh, gates. The gates are not going to be shut here in, in, in 21 verse 25. Look what it says. And the gates of it shall not be shut all, uh, at all by day, for there shall be no night there. There's, the gates aren't going to be shut. People are going to be able to come and go throughout the city. Nothing, notice which defiles, shall enter into it, verse 27. There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. Folks, can I tell you something? New Jerusalem doesn't have anybody that's going to be a liar. See, Satan was cast out of this place called Jerusalem, New Jerusalem. When he said, I'll be like the Most High God because we know that the throne of God is in this new city, he was cast out. The tree of life, which has different fruit, is going to be there as well as the water of life in chapter 22, verse 1. And, I, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. Different types of fruit. So what type? I don't know, pears, apples? I don't know. But he says it's got different fruit every month. That's what heaven's going to be like. The throne of God is there in verse 3. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And the servants shall serve him. Verse, verse number 3. Say, Pastor, that's all just a figment of your imagination. No, John says, let me just tell you. You know, this is a great city. It's got foundations. There's going to be 12 of them. They're going to have names written in those foundations, which are the apostles. It's a beautiful place. I don't know about you. Heaven's going to be beautiful. How can you trust it's in God's word? Folks, if you can trust what God says about your salvation, can't you trust what he says about heaven? You know, people, some people say, well, I, you know, I believe Jesus for my, to be my Savior, but I don't trust the rest of his stuff. And, you know, because it doesn't always work out the way that I think. That's the problem. It's not about how you can consider it. It's what God says is true. Hey, can I tell you something? As it's, it's said up there in heaven, the fearful and the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, liars, or, or idolaters and all liars, they're not going to be in heaven. Unbelievers. That means a person that does not believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior is not going to be in heaven. Not going to be there. The idolater, the people that's bowing down and worshiping idols, can I tell you something? The Lord says they're not going to be there. Not going to be there. You know, we're in, here in America and we say, well, you know, we have a freedom to have all sorts of different types of religions and that was one of the founding principles that people could worship the way that they chose and not be persecuted. But you know what? Can I tell you something? It's changed, has it not? Because Christians are persecuted. The very foundational principles of God's word which we believe and stood upon and which our founding fathers believed upon which our Constitution was established, those principles 
Those very principles today are looked at as old, archaic. And people are trying to bring in things which go contrary to the truth of God's word, whether it be abortion or whether it be homosexuality or transgender or all that stuff. God calls that abomination. There's coming a time when you and I, we're, we're going to be in heaven. And it's going to be guided by this book. Everybody will be in compliance. You know what? It's not because you have to. It's because you want to. So, Pastor, that's going to have to change some people. They call themselves Christians. And they, they have a problem with that right now. Some Christians that they believe in abortion. Can I tell you something? You need to study the Bible. God calls that murder. That's a loving God who loves you, but he wants you to understand he's not only a loving God, but he's a just God. God created every person. Every, you know, every one of those babies that have been aborted are precious in the sight of God. You're precious in, in the sight of God today. Heaven is a real place. One beautiful night, a young boy was out walking with his grandpa, and the stars were just shining. They were just like you could see a million stars just twinkling across the sky. And the little boy, he was just looking at that, and he, he pulled on his grandpa's coat, and he said, Grandpa, Grandpa, if heaven is so beautiful on this, on the outside, imagine what it looks like on the inside. May I share with you as a clarification today that the place where believers go when we die is a city called New Jerusalem in heaven. People say, you know, are you going to go to heaven? Well, we need to understand a couple things. The city of this New Jerusalem is in heaven. We are going to the New Jerusalem, which is in heaven. Go back to Revelation 21 for a second. I think it's important for us to understand the clarity of it. Revelation 21, verse number 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Now, he's not talking about the place where, that we're talking about where God lives. We're talking about the first heaven. You say, well, what is the first heaven? Well, the Bible tells us, if you read in Genesis chapter 1, it talks about the first heaven. And that's from the, the earth to the, or what we call our atmosphere. It's where the birds fly. And that, the, God uses that term. He says he calls this a heaven. Then there is the stellar heaven, which you see there in Genesis chapter 1. It talks about the stars, the sun, moon, stars. Those are referred to as a second heaven. And then in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, it talks about the third heaven. The third heaven is the place where God lives. That third place is what we're talking about here. Or, well, the, excuse me, the, the, this, this portion here in verses 1, it says, And I saw a new heaven and er, new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth uh, were passed away, and there was no more sea. God's going to destroy this atmosphere in this place called earth. He's going to create a new one. And in that new one, there's not going to be any more sea in the new earth. You say, well, pastor, don't you know that we believe in global warming? And, you know, we've got to take care of this oxygen, and, and it's going to be gone if we don't take care of this. Can I tell you something? There is going to be a big bang one day. God says he's going to say to these elements, be loosed, and they are going to be loosed, and this earth is going to pass away with a fervent heat. It's going to be a big bang. 
And then God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. But notice what he goes on to say. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, notice, down from God, what? Out of. You say, well, Pastor, why, you know, are these words really important? Out, yeah, they are. We believe in the verbal plenary inspiration. Verbal. Every word is inspired. New Jerusalem comes out of heaven. The New Jerusalem is not heaven. It comes out of heaven. So when we think of this city, New Jerusalem, you got New Jerusalem, there's a city in there, but there's more in heaven than just the city, New Jerusalem. I wonder what's outside the city walls. But you'll be able to walk around in heaven, you'll be able to walk around and see some stuff that's beyond this city. I wonder what's that. He didn't tell us. But we need to understand, when we die, we go to this New Jerusalem, this new city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 for just a second. Hebrews chapter 11, the hero's hall of faith and talks about all these people that walked by faith and walked in faith. As I said, this city is not uh, heaven itself, but it comes out of heaven. Abraham looked for a city in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 8. Talking about Abraham, it says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, in the land of Canaan, as in a strange, uh, strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath a foundation, whose builder and maker, what? Is God. He was looking for that new Jerusalem. Look at verse 16 of the same chapter. Talking about these people who died in faith. They didn't receive uh, all these promises. But he says, but now they desired a better country. That is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them, what? A city. He's prepared for us a city. Praise the Lord for that. Go to, Revelation, or go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. He, he, uh, Paul speaks once again of this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But ye are come into Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And he says, and to an innumerable company of angels. Hey, in that new city, there's an innumerable com company of angels. All sorts of angels. You can't even count them all there in the city. Notice, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. Hey, that's the believers. Hey, there's going to be believers in that new Jerusalem. Which are written in heaven. And to the God and judge of all. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. May I share with you? We're going to see God and Jesus in that new Jerusalem. It's a city. Best is yet to come. The new Jerusalem. When you die, guess where you get to go? New Jerusalem. You know what's exciting? J. Vernon McGee, when he talks about that new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, he creates a new heaven and a new earth. And he says, you know, that new heaven, or he says, the new Jerusalem comes down. It doesn't 
come and reside in here because of the wording here on the earth, it hovers above the earth. And people that are on the earth are able to go back and forth between there. That's going to be pretty awesome. See, man, best is yet, best is yet to come. New Jerusalem. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about this tonight. But I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to heaven. Amen. I remember working as, as a young person and, or as a youth pastor working with young people. And this one young person says, well, I said, aren't you looking forward to go to heaven one day? Well, no, I really, pastor. You know what? I, I want to get married and I want to have children and I want to do this, and I want to do that. Hey, all those are nice things. Those are good. But folks, when you study the Word of God and realize what God's got in store for us, He's got some wonderful things in store, far beyond we could ever understand. I remember as a teenager, I think it was about uh, Donovan's age, and the, young, uh, the teacher, Sunday school teacher was saying, well, hey, what do you... What do you think heaven's going to be like? Well, man, we're going to have football there, and we're going to have, you know, lots of hamburgers and hot dogs. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, what? Have you ever read the Bible? And they're going through, and there was like 12 of them. They were given some goofy, I mean, some, some answers, they thought. They were goofy. Because, boy, we're going to have, you know, whatever we want, we can have there in heaven. I'm thinking, you have no clue. We get a chance to be with our God and to love the Lord and all this beauty and people say, you look at this stuff down here, it's just things. This won't even compare with the architecture of our God. It's going to be beautiful. Don't get depressed with what you don't have down here. Look up. The best is yet to come. Hey, let's look up there. That's why we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Paul says, if we be dead with Christ, we should also get our, uh, our focus, our vision, our understanding about heavenly things. We're going to heaven one day. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. I pray that that's where our focus is today. Hey, let's lay up treasures in heaven. Because one day we're going to go be there. I pray that you have that confidence today. If you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, today, can I tell you, you can settle it. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, to give you a hope and, a, and help in this life. Jesus is the answer. The only way to get to heaven, as Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus died for you. He was buried and rose again. If you are willing to humble yourself and acknowledge what God has said, that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, Jesus will save you today. God will give you a home in heaven. I pray that you'll make that decision today. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray today for those that are here. I pray, God, for those that may not know Jesus as their Savior. I pray, God, that they would consider this fact that one day they will breathe their last breath and they will spend eternity in one of two places.